Chapter Fourteen of Prisoner of Mill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brianna. From Prisoner of Mill by Harry Hazelton. Chapter Fourteen: The Bodyguard's Sickness and Cure. Slowly the party wended its way back to the mill. Just at nightfall it came in sight of the lonely hut which covered the treasure so dear to the heart of the rescued maiden. How her eager arms longed to clasp her brother's form to her bosom, how her ears longed for the sound of his voice. The wings of the swallow would have been slow for her pining soul, but the moment of reunion came at last. The dead was made alive, the lost restored. Miss Hayward, gallanted by Wells, pressed on ahead of the troop, and their panting steeds at length stood riderless before the cabin door, for the riders had disappeared within. The meeting of brother and sister was one of mingled pleasure and pain. Both had suffered so much that to think of it was pain. Captain Hayward was greatly emaciated. Loss of blood, fever, hunger, and exposure would have ended a life less tenacious than his. But despite his suffering, the presence of friends, the rescue of his sister, the anticipated happiness of her union with the man who had proven himself so well worthy of her, all conspired to give an elasticity to his spirits more potent than the infusions of herbs prepared by the not unskilled hands of old Maggie, who, from an enemy, had by the force of couldn't help herself, as Needleton declared, become a useful instrument at a critical moment. And what about Needleton? All day long after the morning's experience at the cave, he had plodded on soberly, somewhat absorbed in his own reflections. Behind him sat Falliff, who from his weak state was well content to ride. The Indian, though perfectly silent and apparently indifferent to all things, now that his work was done, still was inwardly pleased at the rescue of the thought of the pleasure in store for the captain of whose safety he had been informed by Needleton, and he was quite willing to go into camp for a few days before putting out again on his endless scouts. Needle be sick, at, he at length asked his companion. Not by a darn sight, Injun. Needle be sick, Foliff knows it. You be dangerous to their nation, you red onion head of Delaware, was the somewhat excited answer, as he turned into the saddle and stared in the Indian in the face. Foliff smiled. Needle one physic. Miss Long give Needle physic, he obstinately persisted. Now look here, Miss Injun. If you want to fight, just you say so. I'll be catawumpsed if I don't lick your wuss nigger what's got a mad woman after him. Falliff no one to fight Needle. Maybe whip Needle. Then what Miss Long say? 
Yo-ho, you mean sneaking son of a brickling. If you don't stop that clapper in your head, I'll be switched if I don't put a peg through it. And he set his face firmly to the front, rolled his horse severely with the, his spurs, and dashed ahead at a speed quite uncomfortable to the provoking Delaware. When the cavalcade reached the cabin, Needleton did not obtrude himself upon the party within. For an hour or more, they were alone. At length, Hayward asked, Where is my brave preserver? Why is he not here to enjoy our happiness? And Fall Leaf, too. I would thank him as he deserves the noble and devoted savage. Search was made. Fall Leaf was found out by the campfire, undergoing the process of lotion cure for his wounds at the hands of Maggie, who was carefully washing the bruised and cut flesh of the red man. All inquiries for Needleton were fruitless. He was not to be found. It was ascertained at length that his horse also was gone. Many were the surmises as to the cause of his absence, and fears were expressed for his safety. Morning came, and the party, now rejoined by the entire battalion, prepared to move by easy stage from the valley toward the line of march pursued by the retreating army. Captain Hayward was made quite comfortable in a camp wagon with his sister for companion and nurse. Fowliffe pushed out far ahead to scout and secure the command from surprise. Adjutant Hilton and Wells were tireless in their devotion to the comfort and safety of their charge. It was a pleasant journey, that week of slow progress toward Tipton. At length, however, the village hove in sight. The white ants dotting the hills and valleys proved that the division was there. While yet a long way off, a party of horsemen accompanied by ladies was seen dashing off at full speed toward the spot where the battalion had halted for its noon bivouac. Wells caught his sight of the party, and with his glass made out the gaunt form of Nidoton far in advance. Behind him, on the same horse, rode a female, whose identity the officer could not fix. Nearer and nearer the horsemen came, until after an exciting race they dashed into the camp, Nidoton and Sally Long. They were received with a wild hajay from the entire troop, and none shouted louder than Nidoton himself. Hooray, hooray by the eternal jingo, he cried, leaping from the horse, and leaving Miss Sally sitting there alone, before the eyes of the joyous and excited troops. Making his way to the captain's marquee, as the man had named the wagon, he was welcomed by Hayward in a manner which quickly turned his servant's joy to mourning, for the embrace of real affection bestowed quite upset Needlestone's confidence. I'm nothing but a great darned skunk, anyhow, he exclaimed as, breaking away from the captain's embrace, he started for his horse and the neglected Sally.
Nettle be sick! He turned to behold Fall Leaf gazing upon him in mock compassion. Not by a danged sight, you infernal lamp of glory! He now shouted as clasping the Indian in his arms, gave the red man a hug which brought forth a grunt. <laughs> Nettle make Fall Leaf sick! Guess Nettle got full of Miss Sally now. Yes, sir, and there she is in all her glory, was the rejoinder as the boy guard pointed in the evident pride to the smiling woman. Gentlemen of the jury, let me present to you my wife, the dangest, no, the most blissful woman you ever saw. Your wife exclaimed a dozen voices at once. Yes, my wife hitched to me, tighters a handle to the jug by Chaplain Disbro, two year, days ago, by the eternal jingle. This was enough for the man. All order gave way before the hilarious uproar fall, which followed. They pressed around Sally to offer their congratulations, which the delighted wife received with great good nature and dignity, still sitting where she had been left, behind the saddle on the horse. At this moment the party first described rode up. It was composed of Mrs. Hinton, Miss Morton, and a number of friends eager to welcome the captain and his sister, of whose fortunes Nidderton had most unexpectedly, three days before, brought the news to camp. That it was a joyful meeting may well be assumed. Does not our story here end? To say that Miss Mamie Hayward soon became Mrs. Wells, in the presence of the whole division, that a grand gala day followed, is but half the truth, however, for at the same time another bridegroom was there in the form of the pale but happy Captain Henry Hayward, who took to be his comforter and his much-needed nurse, the woman who loved him most truly, Miss Nettie Morton. It was indeed a most happy consummation of a drama which promised at one time to end only in sorrow and broken hearts. Now the least happened of all that throng, nor the least noted, was Nettleton, the captain's bodyguard. End of chapter 14 End of Prisoner of the Mill by Harry Hazelton.